Hey everybody, this is Krista Stilwell, Communications Assistant at LFCN. Thanks for listening to the podcast. It's a glimpse into the life of our church. We are ordinary people being transformed into passionate followers of Jesus who join with God in the remaking of all things. We pray that what you hear is a blessing and helps you join God today. If our church can help you and serve you in any way, please drop us a line at 765-447-7655. Enjoy the sermon. How Life Works. We're, we're going to be in here through all the month of August, and we're going to be journeying through the book of Proverbs as we talk about how life works. And for some of you, the book of Proverbs is new. Um, it's a book that's not often read, but you know what? I think it's actually one of the more accessible books in the entire Bible because it speaks in phrases, and it speaks in bits and in chunks. And we're used to that these days. This is the Twitter, the world of Twitter communication, where if you have something to say and it's longer than 140 characters or a status update, we quickly tune out. And Proverbs fits right into that. And so we're encouraging you to become a little bit more familiar with the book of Proverbs by reading a proverb a day. So Proverbs is organized into chapters. There's 30-some chapters in the book of Proverbs. And the challenge that we've extended is to read a chapter of Proverbs a day and to read the chapter that corresponds with the calendar date. So, today is the 12th of August. (coughs) Excuse me. Today's the 12th of August, which would mean we would read Proverbs number 12 together. Proverbs chapter 12. So, um, I think it would be helpful for us as a congregation to journey through this together because for the following reasons. Proverbs is all about wisdom, and it's about how we can grow and cultivate and develop a sense of wisdom. The world that we live in is devoid of wisdom. We have a lot of information, but we have very little wisdom. We know more than we've ever known before in the history of the world, but we know less about how to live. Proverbs is about how we can live according to the order of creation, how we can grow in our knowledge of wisdom. And a great way to grow in wisdom is to read a chapter of Proverbs a day because a a proverb a day keeps the foolishness away. A proverb a day keeps the foolishness away. All right, if you wouldn't mind, I know you've been up and down. Stand up with me one more time. Let's read Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Proverbs chapter 3 Verses 1 through 8, the words will be on on the screen for you. My son or my daughter, don't forget my instruction. Let your heart guard my commands, because they will help you live a long time, provide you with well-being. Don't let loyalty or faithfulness leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And then you will find favor and approval in the eyes of God and humanity. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
Don't rely on your own intelligence. Know him in all your paths, and he will keep your ways straight. Don't consider yourself wise. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then your body will be healthy and your bones will be strengthened. This is God's word for us this morning. You may be seated. Now, you don't need to have a PhD from an established and esteemed university like Purdue to know some common sense wisdom that the shortest distance between two points is what? A straight line. Maybe you do need a PhD. The shortest distance between two points is a straight line. All of us, if you've ever been on a road trip, you have mapped out your journey. You have gone onto Google Maps or Apple Maps on your phone, or whatever map application you use, and you've typed in the address of where you're going, and you let that thing use the GPS to figure out your location, and then it tells you the fastest route or the, the quickest path between those two points, between the start point and the end point. And you would know that there's several ways, like there's several ways to get from Lafayette to, let's say, Chicago. And people debate about which way is the fastest way. Do you take the Dan Ryan? Do you take the toll road? Like, what do you do? you do? There's several ways to get from point A to point B, but the quickest one or the shortest distance is the straight line between two points. And the book of Proverbs talks about wisdom. It talks about it as a way, as a path. It's going somewhere. It's a journey that we walk down and we walk according to because the end result of that way is a life that flourishes in accordance with the flourishing of all creation. So wisdom is leading us somewhere. It's taking us down a path. And as we follow down that path, we end up closer to the place where all of life flourishes. Because the book of Proverbs believes this. God has created a world to function in a certain way. He has rightly ordered and rightly created things. And as we live according to the way that God has created the world to work, life just works better. And not just our life. It's not like, you know, we make more money and our health is better. It's not just an individualistic sort of a thing. It's all of life, all of creation. We are a part, as we walk down the way of wisdom and the path of wisdom, we are a part of the flourishing of all things, not just our small little life. But here's what we learn when we read the book of Proverbs, that the path of wisdom and the way of wisdom is counterintuitive. Life doesn't work how we think life works, or how God has intended for life to work doesn't make immediate sense to us. 
it's counterintuitive, that shows up in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, that most famous of verse, trust in the Lord with your whole heart, and then here's the counterintuitive part. Don't rely on your own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. And that doesn't make a ton of sense to us. To follow the way of Proverbs is a little bit counterintuitive because in order to end up in the flourishing of all things, what the writer of Proverbs is saying is, you can't trust your gut. You can't rely on your own understanding. The way that we think that we end up in the place where all of life flourishes is when we've reached this place where we've fully learned how to trust our own self-reliance and how to trust in our own ability to discern and make our own decisions. When we finally learn how to listen to our gut, then we'll end up in the place of flourishing in the world. But the, the writer of Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with your whole heart and don't rely on your own understanding. And that's counterintuitive. In fact, this is what the book of Proverbs often does. In order to explain what something is, it contrasts it with what it's not, and it does that back to back. So it says, trust in the Lord with your whole heart, and the opposite of trusting in the Lord with your whole heart is leaning on your own understanding, so don't do that. Or it says, be, don't be wise in your own eyes. And how is it that you would avoid doing that? Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. So there's this way of life, there's this path towards a destination that makes sense to us. It seems right in our own eyes. And we want to head down that path. But the book of Proverbs says, no, that way, that makes sense on an intuitive level to you, to us, that way actually leads to death. It doesn't lead to the flourishing of all things. And so what the book of Proverbs says over and over and over again is that there is something that exists within us that overestimates our ability to get things right in this world and to live the right way in this world which feels really counterintuitive because this is the way we think the world works. We have to, I'm going to use a lot of cliches here, so buckle up. We have to take the bull by the horns. We have to make it happen for ourselves. Or if you don't do it for yourself, no one else will do it for you. I mean, you have to do this thing. You can't just depend upon some divine, invisible, spiritual father that exists up in the sky. That's how we think life works. And to be honest, that's like one way of doing it. We can do that. We can live life that way. That way actually seems right to us. It makes a lot of sense. But the Proverbs say that way of living doesn't work. In fact, it ends up in destruction and pain. Or maybe like you've been to church for a little bit now and you're hearing this passage of Scripture and you're kind of nodding in agreement. 
but there are some patterns of life in your life that are just normal, and they seem right, and they feel right, but they end up all wrong. They just actually end up bringing pain and hurt. This fascinating study by a psychologist by the name of Robert Beulah. What a name, Beulah, Beulah Land. There was this fascinating study done by Robert Beulah, and he was trying to figure out what rationale Americans used to determine how they based their decisions. He wanted to figure out how do you know what decision to make. That's the question that he was largely asking. So he did this, this really well-funded really broad and sweeping research study, and he reached two conclusions. This is the first conclusion, and you'll find this conclusion not very helpful. The not very helpful first conclusion is this. Largely, you and I as Americans, we don't often know what we want. Like if someone were to say to you, what do you want, and use your wanting as a basis for how you make your decisions, Robert Bueller found out that often we don't know what we, what we want. But here's the second conclusion he found, and this one I think will be helpful. We don't know what we want, but we do know what feels good. We don't know what we want, but we know what feels good. And so we end up making decisions based upon these three things. What feels good, what pays, and what gets us included. What feels good, what pays, and what gets us included. Now, he didn't make this conclusion because he's not a follower of Jesus, but what preachers do is we use everybody else's brilliant research, and then we just, make our, we just make our own points based upon it. So here's the point that the preacher would make. This is a modern-day version of trusting on our own understanding. This is the modern criteria of doing what is right in our own eyes, in the words of Proverbs. This if the writer of Proverbs was here, he would say, this is what I'm talking about when I'm saying don't lean into your own understanding. Because we have this framework that makes up how we understand the world. And our framework is based around what feels good, what pays, and what gets us included. And if we could take a, like a moment of honest confession, I think we would admit that we are prone to doing what feels good. And we are prone to avert ourselves away from what is painful or from what feels bad. I think if we were honest, we would say we are prone to doing what pays, especially if it pays well. And we try to avoid anything that's costly or where we feel like we're going to give more to it than we're going to get out of it. I think if we were honest, we'll say, you know what, we'll do, we're, we're prone to doing whatever would get us included in the places where we want to be included and we'll avoid anything that would exclude us from those places. In fact, I think we would say, you know what? I might even be willing to do stuff I don't even necessarily believe is right if the end result is that I'll be included in that circle that I really want to be included in. 
these are the ways of our own understanding. And I think what the writer of Proverbs would say, this is how we base our decisions. But how well is that working for us? How is that working for you? Because we think that this leads us to the good life, to life according to the grain of the universe where we end up in the flourishing of all things. But we honestly would also confess that our framework of our own understanding and basing decisions off of this has led us into a lot of pain. It's caused a lot of hurt and destruction, not only in our own life, but in the lives of those who, loves, who love us. I think we would confess, you know what? I've tried it, and it hasn't taken me to where I wanted it to take me but the only thing I've done in response to that is to try doing that harder, which leads us further down the path of pain. Five years ago, um, the, the, the conservative New York Times columnist David Brooks wrote this op-ed during graduation season, during commencement season. He wrote this op-ed called, What's Wrong with Commencement Speeches? And he has this brilliant paragraph I want to read for you this morning. He's describing commencement speeches, and he says this, The graduates are told to pursue happiness, to pursue joy and self-fulfillment. But, of course, when you read a biography of someone you admire, it's rarely the things that made them happy that compel your admiration. It's the things they did to court unhappiness the things they did that were arduous and miserable, which sometimes caused them friends and aroused hatred. It's excellence and not happiness that we admire the most. Then he said this, self-fulfillment or the good life or the flourishing of all things, self-fulfillment is the byproduct of giving ourselves away to something other than ourselves. And I don't know if he realized it, but he basically just paraphrased the New Testament in an op-ed. Nobody receives happiness by pursuing happiness. Happiness is a byproduct of not making all of our decisions around what makes us happy. Happiness is a byproduct of giving our life away to something else or someone else that is bigger and larger than us. And no one gets satisfaction in life by pursuing all of the things that we think would lead us to be satisfied. Satisfaction or joy comes as a byproduct of a life that isn't consumed with satisfying myself all of the time, but by giving myself away to God. Let me use biblical words. Joy is the byproduct of a life that gives up about only caring about what makes me happy. True riches is the byproduct of a life that gives up on basing decisions only on what makes me the most money. In fact, the people who seem 
to have the most riches in this world and the most happiness are the people who seem to give away the most of those riches. The people who, sustain, who can sustain this kind of life of joy, the proverb said, these are the people who don't lean on their own understanding, but instead, what do they do? The posture of their heart is that they trust in the Lord with everything they've got. And so the people who trust in the Lord, not just when it pays, but when it's costly. And the people who trust in the Lord, not, not only when it gets us included in the groups that we want to be included in, but also when we find ourselves to be excluded. The people who trust in the Lord, not only when it feels really good, but also when it hurts and it's painful. The opposite of leaning on our own understanding is trusting in the Lord or what the New Testament calls having a childlike faith. Having a childlike faith. A couple years ago, Sherry and I, um, when we first moved here, we, we bought a house and um, when we bought that house, it was just Kyla, who's, who, who is now a, a middle schooler. And then other siblings were introduced into the household to the point where the house that we bought was feeling kind of tight. And we just happened to find this, this great opportunity. And so we decided, you know what, let's pursue this. Let's, let's pursue this other house. It had a basement um, so that, you know, we could throw the kids down there when they're just being too rowdy and they could, like, destroy things. And, and, the, and the space where we live wouldn't always be destroyed. So we, we, moved, we moved in that direction towards buying this house. And you know, if you've ever moved or if you've ever bought and sold a house before, that there's, like, stressful moments. Like, you know, you got you to apply for the financing and you got to get all the financial stuff in order and, and then you have to make the offer and negotiate all of that and sell your own house in the process. And, and, and then, if it all happens, you have to pack. You have to pack, and you have to move. I guess you could just leave your stuff, but what you would want to do is pack and move. Who here likes packing and moving? Anybody? No, no one likes this. In fact, it's really hard, and it's really stressful. And so Sherry and I, you know, we're packing up the house and we're getting everything ready to go, you know, and, and packing boxes and labeling boxes and, and, and also trying to remain husband and wife in the process. And, like, it's stressful. It's stressful. And I remember us, like, packing things up. And when you pack things up, all of a sudden there's more room in a room. Like the room feels bigger because you, pack, you packed your stuff up. And so if there's more room, there's more space for kids to run and play. And I can remember as we're stressed, packing things up, looking over and seeing our children just playing. Just playing. They weren't stressed. We were. We were dealing with all the stuff. They were kids. And they were being kids. And, you know, if, if we would have flipped roles, it would have been weird, right? Like if we would have flipped those roles around and the kids 
would have been like packing everything up with the checklist. Hey, Dad, you got to remember to do this. And Dad, are you, you, you sure you got enough money to buy this house? Is, the, is are all the finances in order? And if they were like, if they were the ones who were stressing out and Sherry and I were like dancing around the living room because there's more space. Like that, that would be weird. In fact, what we would say is, you know what? Your mom and I, we've got this. Go back to being kids and go back to playing. And it's not just that situation in our life. It's, that's how kids work about all of the things. They just intuitively and impulsively trust their mom and dad. And that trust that they have allows them to playfully experience the stressful things of life. To playfully experience the normal things of life. There is this impulse that kids have that causes them to trust that these people who they love have it all under control so they can dance through the living room while the stressful situation is happening. The New Testament helps us to understand that as we learn how to trust in God, you and I, as God's children, can learn how to, during the normal, stressful, difficult moments of life, to cultivate a posture of trust that allows us to dance our way through. Proverbs says, the life that is based on its own understanding leads to pain and to destruction. But the life that's based upon trust in the Lord leads to the flourishing of all things. And the people who trust in the Lord with their whole heart, we can have this playful existence during the normal things of life because we know our Heavenly Father has got this thing. And we have this security in their love that we are their child. And our dad is going to get all of that worked out. In fact, this is the posture of all of God's faithful people throughout the Bible. I don't know if you remember these stories, but when God freed his slaves from Egypt and led them out into the wilderness as they were journeying for 40 years to the promised land, they were walking through a desert and they had needs and it was stressful and they were hungry. But every single morning, their dad had that taken care of. And literally manna or bread from heaven fell from the sky enough so that they could collect all that they needed for the day. If they collected more than they needed for the day, it would spoil. But all that they needed for that day was taken care of. And they learned how to dance their way through the ordinary stuff of life because they cultivated this posture of trust. God's got this under control. Jesus when he was teaching his disciples in the most famous sermon ever recorded in human history, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7, at one point in time, he stopped what he was saying, and he said, consider the birds of the air or the lilies of the field. 
Are they leaning on their own understanding? Are they freaking out and thinking that they have to direct their paths? I'm paraphrasing now. No. I provide for them. And if I provide for them, how much more will I provide for you? Because how much more do I love you? In other words, you are my kids, created in my image. You can assume that posture of trust where we approach every day of our life with an open hand, willing and able and ready to receive the gifts that our Heavenly Father has given to us, fully aware of our own understanding which wants to lead us towards death and destruction, but instead saying, no, my Heavenly Father has this. I can dance my way through this day instead of grasping and clutching and trying to figure this thing out on my own. You know, it's exhausting. It's exhausting to follow the belief that we determine our future, that our destiny is in our hands and under our control. It's exhausting to believe that it's all up to us and that if we want to end up in this place, well, then we have to align our steps and the proper steps to the dance to make sure that we end up there and one misstep and we've missed the opportunity forever. There's no, no quicker way to burnout or sadness or depression than to believe that we are the ones who shape our future. And the invitation from our Heavenly Father spoken through the writer of the Proverbs is this. You all, you don't need to lean on your own understanding. Instead, you can trust in the Lord, but get this, with your whole heart. Not with like 10%, like 90% own understanding, 10% trust in the Lord. Not even 40% own understanding, 60% trust in the Lord with your whole heart. And so how is it or what does a life that trusts God with our whole heart look like? It looks like somebody who's boldly, I'm going to use a word, I'm going to use a word that's going to touch a nerve, boldly obedient boldly obedient. When God says this is the direction that is according to the path of wisdom that leads to the flourishing of all things, this is the path. People who trust in the Lord are people who don't say, you know what, that doesn't make much sense to me, I'm going to go this direction. We are people who say, yeah. Like that looks painful, and my own understanding says avoid it. That looks costly to me. And my own understanding says you're going to give your whole life away and you're not going to get anything in return. That looks like I'm going to be excluded. And my own understanding says you, you, you only, only get in where you fit in. But people who have learned how to trust in the Lord are also people who have learned 
that the direction that God gives to his kids means he's taking care of it. And we can dance our way through while our father deals with the stress.